The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer. Other people want to make friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. We're coronavirus 24-7 these days, and this purgatory could be with us until this epidemic runs its course, and we sure hope it does. While we wait for that to happen, any day can be colored by reports out of China on the number of people hospitalized, the number released, the number who died. That's why the market seems so listless today, definitely dipping 25 points, SB inching up 0.18%, NASDAQ advancing 0.2%, which is good a place as any to roll out our game plan for next week. First off, as you know, we're closed on Monday for President's Day, but China's very much open. I fear another awful set of statistics, because anecdotally, the Chinese authorities, well, I don't know why more people don't say this, they don't know what they're doing. Look, they want people to go back to work because they want the GDP up. They don't want to let people down. Uh, uh, So their tone can't be too discouraging. But the whole world is hanging on these numbers, because if this outbreak goes badly, it could turn into an existential crisis for the globe. If it gets there, you'll have executives fearing not just for the companies, but for their lives. That's right, the very lives. I think the new infections will keep climbing, and it will color Tuesday's trading. But again, remember what I said from the very beginning. No one listened to me. Trust no numbers out of China. Don't trust them. What else matters on Tuesday? Walmart reports this also comes with an analyst meeting this time. Now, I heard a bunch of people predict, analysts predict this week that the quarter might be weak, although that's not clear to me at all. I think much of their worry goes back to Target's disappointing results. But if anything, I'm betting Walmart gained market share from Target and has lots of good things to say. We want to know how much they'll be hurt by the China slowdown uh, and in particular whether their supply chain will be disrupted. In other words, they import, look, their food's domestic. They have got a huge amount of business that's, uh, that is from domestic sourcing, but they have a lot of China. Now, maybe you don't want to bet something on something so volatile. Well, how about in that case, you bet on Medtronic. Medtronic. Remember the medical device maker? We see them when we go out to San Francisco. Now, this is going to be the last conference call for the now legendary CEO, Omar Ishraq. 
And I expect it to be real good. He's made shareholders a ton of money in his time. Wednesday, we might learn what this network plans to do with the assets it's buying for next to nothing from Sprint and T-Mobile. Now, they've pledged to build out a wireless network, and I think they're going to need some partners to make that happen. Or maybe they'll just tell us about the quarter and tease us about the future. That could be. Now, we also hear from Bausch Health, and that's the company formerly known as Value. You know, they come in all the time. And this thing's become a reliable fixture in the growth stock community ever since Joe Papa came in as CEO to fix the place up. Now, he's developed the habit of making the numbers. So unless Bausch reports a real bad day for the coronavirus, I think the stock can go higher. Now, we've seen some incredible moves in the semi-stocks, haven't we? I mean, witness NVIDIA roaring today after an amazing quarter. We're going to spend more time talking about NVIDIA later in the show. How about analog devices, ADI? While it's nowhere near as exciting as NVIDIA, it's been a consistent winner thanks to its Internet of Things exposure. It's kind of a the manufacturing industrial semi. Then there's Alonco Animal Health. Now, I've been a big fan of Zoetis, as you know. It's another animal health play, but it, it, it's had a big move. Alonco, on the other hand, not as good as Zoetis, all right, but Alonco, it, it, it's been a bit of a dud since it was spun off, and I like the odds on this one at this point. You know, I'm not a fan of oil, to put it mildly. The stocks have been abysmal performers, both because there's a glut, but also because Wall Street now cares about sustainability. Nearly every day that goes by, we hear more stories about divestments, and that block is gaining steam. The fossil fuel stocks tend to have no growth, dicey balance sheets, especially for natural gas, horrific fundamentals. The price of natural gas came and look at it. But there's one growth oil company I actually want to listen to, and that's Pioneer Nat. Pioneer Natural Resources, which reports it at the close. Now, these guys always play it straight. They'll give us the real skinny on where the industry is headed. I trust them. I know lots of people are very bummed about this negative stance from fossil fuels if you own the stocks. So if you hate hearing bad things about the uh, industry, well, put your hands over your ears because I'm doubling down right now. We are from Energy Transfer Partners, ET, the giant pipeline company at the same day. And I think you're going to be able to figure out that we simply have too much pipe for ETP's own good. Now, I also want to make another further point. This has a very high yield, and yet I worry about the size of that yield given what's been going on in the MLP situation. Avoid the stock. Well, Thursday, Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings reports. I think it's safe to say that the past is not prologue in the cruise industry. Right now, this whole industry is in crisis. You've got a cruise ship quarantined off the coast of Japan. It's filled with people who, to me, the Japanese are making into human guinea pigs for the coronavirus because none of them are allowed off the boat. Another uh, ship was stranded in Asian waters. It didn't even have the virus yet. It was rejected by five ports until Cambodia generously allowed them in. I'm wondering just how many reservations have been canceled because of the disease. You don't want to be trapped on a cruise ship in the middle of an epidemic. So how can you invest in Norwegian here? I think it's too risky. And, you know, before the corona, I did like this stock very much. But I want them to make the case. We also get results from one of the worst performers in my travel trust the embarrassing Viacom CBS. When Viacom finally merged with CBS, reuniting them after 15 years of separation, I never would have guessed we had a first-class ticket to shareholder hell. It's incredible how this company has done when it set, it set out to do so, uh, to it, it, everything. It, it's, it's, it's meant everything it said. It, it's consummating a merger that Wall Street considered impossible, but its stock is probably the most hated in the S&P 500. Well, why? Because it's, it's all about cord cutting, and people are cutting the cord. The combination is what attracted me to this thing. But these days, Viacom CBS has to do a lot more to entice other shareholders. Until then, I'm talking about a broken stock. You want consistency? 
vote for American Electric Power or Con Ed, which report in the morning and the afternoon, respectively. These are two of the three best utility stocks, along with Dominion Energy, who we're going to hear from this very night. I think Con Ed and AP are absolutely worth owning ahead of the quarter, but those stocks have been, whoa, smoking, all right? We hear from Domino's, too, and I want to know if the company is still under pressure from these cheap online delivery platforms. I'm talking about Postmates, DoorDash, two privately held companies that can afford to burn through cash because, well, they're playing with venture capital money. The competitions hurt them, but the action in the stock, particularly today for Domino's, tells me that maybe there's some good things happening. It has traded incredibly well this week. Now, here's one. That you know I've been behind. It's been struggling of late. Ventas. Will Ventas be able to pull out of its tailspin? This was my favorite healthcare real estate investment trust to read. And it, it, it's come under fire lately because it's missed its own forecast thanks to an oversupply of nursing homes. At least they were like all on the up and up and saying, listen, we missed it. I'm betting CEO Deb Cafaro gets the story back on track. She's historically been a bankable chief executive. Plus, Ventas is paying you a, a 5.3% yield to wait for the turn that I think Deb is going to engineer. The cybersecurity stocks have become a little problematic of late. Now, one of my favorite, Zscaler, reports after the close, and its stock has been sneaking back up after some real turbulence. Makes sense to me. Zscaler does cloud security, and I think that area remains a hot area. I think that Zscaler is going to be fine. I really do. I know, I mean, it was, CyberArk was a bummer, and it, did, it wasn't, didn't act that well. Uh, but I think this one's a good one. Finally, Friday brings us to Deer, and regular viewers know that I'm partial to the farm equipment maker. What worries me, though, is that the coronavirus has the whole agricultural complex stalled. The group's been doing terribly. But never fear, this is an election year. And in election years, farmers tend to get big handouts, even bigger than the usual subsidies. Bottom line. As we head into next week, remember, every night China puts out new coronavirus numbers. They may be fiction. They may be fact. Probably something in between. But the veracity doesn't matter. Until the outbreak burns itself out, the corona statistics and not earnings will continue to control the day-to-day action. I need to go to Bob in Michigan. Bob. Booyah, Jim. Thanks for taking my calls. I'm a longtime investor, but only a recent convert to Jimmy Chill. But I'm wondering about Merck. It's been such a good performer for two to three years now, but they recently announced a spinoff of some of their products to a new company. Their stock price is off of close to $10 from their 52-week high. But Keytruda sales were up 45%, so I'm unsure what's next. Is this a buying opportunity? or? I have said, uh, Bob, that it was not a buying opportunity, and I'm going to change my mind right here. Because when it got to 3% yield, that was enough for me. Buying Merck at 3 buying St. Merck at 3% with a 14 multiple, I am ready to start the position. Now, the world is hanging on these uh, coronavirus numbers. That's really what people talk about. Expect those to color all of next week's trading. On Man Money tonight, trouble in Toyland? Well, I got to tell you, we got Mattel on and it was tumbling after earnings. Is it a red flag or is it a buying opportunity? Let's talk to the CEO. Then there's still plenty of unknowns in this market. So which defensive plays could be worth circling back to? You know, if I've emphasized the group, I've got an unlikely one that you may really like. And Dominion just committed to reaching net zero emission by 2050. I'm going to find out what that means for the stock when I sit down with the CEO. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. 
Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. All right, what the heck happened to the stock of Mattel today? The iconic toy maker behind Barbie, Hot Wheels, Fisher Price, put in a seemingly solid quarter last night. While their sales came in a tad light, down 3% year over year, they still delivered a terrific $0.08 earnings beat off a $0.03 basis. Management's full-year forecast looked impressive. Initially, Mattel's stock soared in after hours. It was up 5% at one point. Makes sense. But then the enthusiasm faded, stock opened flat, and then by 10.30, it had turned negative, and it finished the day down 3%. The problem. According to some analysts, this was a low-quality beat. Most of the gains here are coming from cost cuts, not from any strength in the toy business, which many think is in rough shape. My view. Look, Mattel's been turning itself around. If they can generate much better than expected profitability with slightly subpar sales, well, who knows how well they'll do when the revenues go up. So could it be worth buying into this weakness? Let's check in with Enon Cross. He's the chairman CEO of Mattel. Get more insight into this confusing quarter and its turnaround Mr. Christ, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you, Jim. It's great to be here. Okay, so you know, here's I'm going to posit something and you take it. I think people are misunderstanding what's happening. You cleaned up everything, including costs, in 2019. In 2020, beginning with the Netflix Mattel deal, you are now playing offense. Absolutely right. 2019 was an inflection point in our turnaround. We stabilized top line after five years of, of consecutive decline. We managed to significantly improve profitability and became positive free cash flow for the first time in three years. So the turnaround is working. And when it comes to our revenue performance, we actually grew revenue in every geographical region and in five out of the six categories where we operate. So we're very happy with the performance. We grew market share in the fourth quarter and retain our global leadership position for the year. Now, uh, you have uh, what I would describe as being a very attractive entertainment uh, slate. 
When I first met you, you were saying that Mattel is going to be a platform. When I see, for instance, a Masters of the Universe series coming, I'm thinking this is what's going to spur demand for Mattel in 2020. Absolutely. Our strategy is to transform Mattel into an IP-driven, high-performing toy company. We own one of the strongest catalog of uh, children and family entertainment franchises in the world. And what you're seeing now with Masters of the Universe, as well as eight movies in total that we announced between 2018 and 19, is a perfect example for what is coming. Masters of the Universe is a great franchise, one of the great mythology, uh, superhero mythology, two shows with Netflix, another movie coming, expect more to arrive. Now, in the meantime, you've re-energized Barbie. I have to point out, and people have to understand how important this is, ninth consecutive quarter of growth. Where can that franchise go if it grew 9% to $1.2 billion, highest full-year growth sales in the last six years? Exactly. The, our purpose as a company is to empower the next generation to explore the wonder of childhood and reach the full potential. And you couldn't have a better flag carrier than Barbie to promote diversity and inclusion and inspire girls to fulfill their potential and be anything they want. Barbie is on a run. As you said, it, we just achieved our highest year of sales after six years. Barbie has been the number one fashion property globally for each of the last four years, and the best is yet to come. We have some great product innovation that we're introducing this year. Um, just can't wait to show you more. Well, speaking of can't wait, I can't wait to hear what you're going to talk about with American Girl at the, food, at the uh, toy festival. And I have to believe that you've got a plan because that does have to turn around. Exactly. American Girl is in turnaround. It is one of the most iconic, cherished brands in the industry. It, it has great legacy, great heritage, and deep, engaged fan base. We're now in the first year of a turnaround. We're launching a new strategy under a new leadership. We're enhancing the retail experience. We're launching new content, new product architecture, um, great uh, experience in the stores. Again, it's a turnaround. It will take time. But we are very firm believers in the potential and the future of the brand. I know you as a total no-nonsense guy. I need a truth-on-the-ground appraisal of a very dynamic, fluid situation, which is uh, China and the coronavirus. I have to believe that you've checked this out. You've made some decisions about how to handle it. Tell me what's really going on. So first, I should say that our, uh, our thoughts are with the people affected, our people on the ground. We're taking all the necessary actions to protect their well-being, their health and safety. We have a team of experts uh, in the region that are looking to uh, minimize the disruption. We have the ability to mobilize some resources, shift inventories, leveraging our production capabilities and relationship with third parties. And so far, we're okay. If this lingers, it will, have, it will have an impact, just like it will uh, on the rest of the world. But we believe we have, relatively speaking, uh, a good standing. We're in a, be- a better position than the rest of the industry because of our size, our liquidity, the way we design our manufacturing footprint, which is now becoming a competitive advantage. And we hope that we'll be able to mitigate uh, the disruption. Of course, if this lingers, it will be tougher. But for right. the time being, we just have to wait and see. 
and uh, react as things evolve. I know you took over. You said you're going asset light. You are, again, completely true to your word. Last question. Where is the best place to build a toy if China's offline? Well, Capitalite is a key part of our strategy. Um, We, as of now, reduced uh, three of the factories we consolidated or closed in China, Mexico, and Indonesia. We recently announced that we're closing another factory in Canada. And this is all part of a campaign to achieve more efficiency, higher performance, and better output from our manufacturing footprint. We are also in the process of reducing the number of items we manufacture by 30% by the end of 2020. This is all part of our structural simplification effort, which has been a headline uh, driver for our cost, um, cost savings, and really designing a company that is more progressive, more dynamic, more flexible, that is able to progress and, and capture value from our incredible um, asset base. This, this is really part of a journey. We're not done this year. There's more coming. We expect to achieve $50 million of savings in 2020 mm-hmm. from our Capitalite project. And this is on top of the $875 million right. of savings, run rate savings that we achieved as of the end of 2019. Oh, right. So a lot of efficiency to capture, dropping to the bottom line, and helping us drive growth in the long term. All right. Well, look, the story is uh, it just gets better and better. Every time I talk to you, you're completely uh, true to your word about what you said you'd do. And I think you'll do the same in 2020, which is good news for shareholders. Thank you to Enon Christ. Good to see you, sir. Thank you so much, Jim. Thank you. Man of his word told me he was going to do everything that he's ended up doing. I think the story's a good one. You do have some coronavirus risk, obviously. That's Enon Christ. He's a chairman and CEO of Mattel. It money's back here for the break. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visible visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. Even for a couple down days for the Dow Jones Industrial Average, this market still have a remarkable run. So therefore, what do I do? I get worried that it might not be sustainable. It only takes one bad set of coronavirus numbers, maybe something from this weekend, to send the averages into a tailspin. That's why I keep circling back to the classic defensive stocks, because this outbreak's putting a real dent in the global economy. And when the world slows, well, you've got to have some safety in your portfolio, which is why I keep trying to expose you to these names. For instance, last week we spoke to Clorox. You know I think that's the perfect coronavirus play. We own it for the travel trust. Don't forget, uh, bleach can kill everything, including the coronavirus, because the surface does matter. It's where a lot of it's transmitted. 
So tonight I've got another one for you. It's a long-suffering consumer packaged goods name that used to be the best in the group. It suddenly got its group back again. It's called Colgate Palmolive. Here's a company that makes toothpaste, soap, deodorant, laundry, detergent, all sorts of personal care products. Think Irish Spring, Speed Stick, Ajax, Tom's of Maine. I mean, doesn't this look, think about it. Doesn't this look like what's in your bathroom? If I open the cabinet, half this stuff is going to fall out unless you have it secured. The thing about Colgate Palmolive is that for the last couple of years, it's been a dicey operator, inconsistent. It was an inconsistent earner. Like Tony Soprano, the stock market prefers good earners. As a result, the stock is underperforming. It's been bouncing between the high 50s and the mid-70s for the better part of five, five years. In the last six weeks, though, Colgate's come alive. It's up 11% for the year, with most of that move coming after the company reported a blowout quarter two weeks ago. And stocks that do that rarely stop at that percentage. They go higher. And you know what? After spending years lost in the wilderness, I think the future is looking bright for Colgate, and I think it's a buy. What makes me believe in this turn? Consider where the company's coming from. Colgate's main problem has been a lack of growth, something that often happens to these big consumer packaged goods plays. From 2014 through 2016, the company experienced three straight years of declining sales. And that was thanks in part to a sprawling multi-year restructuring effort. By the end of 2017, it seemed like they had their house in order. But then the business stalled out with another contraction in the second half of 2018. What went wrong? Okay, first off, Colgate is a truly global company. This one, even though you see it all the time in the store, you know, only 21% of its business from North America is very low for these kinds of companies. 48% coming from emerging markets. Now, that's a great source of growth, but it also carries some unique risks. When you get the vast bulk of your sales from overseas, well, guess what? You're at the mercy of one of the worst markets in the world, the currency market. Between the strong dollar in 2018 and declining currencies in Latin America, the most important region, by the way, Colgate's numbers just took a real hit. Remember, a strong dollar means their foreign sales translate into fewer greenbacks, and South America's putting in way fewer greenbacks. Second, thanks in part to these foreign exchange fluctuations, as well as raw cost inflation, higher transportation costs we talk about a lot, Colgate had to uh, force through some substantial price increases, especially in countries that had devalued the currencies. They had to do it to protect the margins. But obviously, price hikes, well, you took the economy class, probably they drive away customers. Put it all together, and these problems translated into a series of very weak numbers in 2018, and weak numbers give you a weak stock. Of course, Colgate managed to rebound in the first half of last year. They had a nice relief rally. Some of that's because falling interest rates made their dividend more attractive, although it currently yields only 2.2%. But some of it was company-specific. In April, Colgate delivered a modest beat that was good enough for Wall Street with management forecasting 2 to 4% organic growth. That's exactly what investors wanted to see. company was able to raise prices without sacrificing volume. That is a big change. Now, fast forward to July. You got another robust quarter. This time, management told us their organic growth would come in at the high end of the previous forecast. Stock shot up to 75. However, Wall Street started feeling more bullish about the economy last fall, as I've told you over and over again. So investors rotated. They swapped out of defensive stocks like Colgate, and they put their money into more cyclical names. It didn't help that when the company reported again in November, eh, the numbers were just okay. While the headline results were basically in line, and management raised their organic growth forecast slightly, a bunch of analysts took issue with the softer-than-expected margins. Still, the stock bottomed in a few days later, but it was in the mid-60s. Now, you got a little bit of levitation in the run-up to the end of the year and the first couple of weeks of January. But Colgate didn't really come roaring back until it reported its most recent and stunning, <coughs> excuse me, stunning results two weeks ago. Oh, boy, this quarter was different. While the earnings were in line, the sales 
top line. Much better than expected. A 5.5 year over year. Pricing was up 1.5%. Global unit volume of 5.5%. The organic sales rising and outstanding 5%. And you got some nice margin expansion. Guys, that's the holy grail. Best of all, management gave you a very bullish forecast for 2020. Noel Wallace, my not met, the new CEO, guided for 3 to 5% organic sales growth this year. You know, I think he's the only one in this, in this whole consumer package group that I have not met. Uh, he predicts more gross margin expansion, too, and mid to high single-digit earnings growth. Very impressive. How did they pull it off? After years of struggling to generate growth, Colgate became a much more consistent operator. It's a good earner again. They made that happen by investing in their brands and forcing through price increases to maintain their margins. Plus, it doesn't hurt. Guess what? The dollar's been weakening, which gives them a lot more breathing room than the rest of the world. This is the ultimate weak dollar play right here. There are two more factors at work. Since this fellow Wallace took over as CEO last year, the company's made a series of acquisitions. They bought this Filargo, Filarga, I'll get it right, Filarga's skincare business for $1.69 billion. I really love the skincare business because I follow Estee Lauder, and this is a good piece of it. This is the premium anti-aging brand, and it's part of a broader strategy where Colgate's doubling down on higher margin products. The Florida deals already giving their sales a nice boost. It was really smart. Then last month, they announced a small transaction, picking up Hello Products. That's a rapidly growing toothpaste and mouthwash brand. They're really getting a lot of the toothpaste business. I used to use this. I use Sensodyne now. But these are really good. This is a real good one. Uh, the second factor, Colgate's long been a leader in sustainability. For years, no one on Wall Street really cared about this stuff. Think water conservation, reducing plastic packaging. Now, though, there's a lot of money floating around that's specifically earmarked for sustainable investments and suddenly it matters. So can the stock continue to climb? Let me give you the bottom line here. Uh, the stock's feels a little fully valued, trading 24 times next year's estimates. But we're going to get some bad days in this market. This is the one to buy on a market-wide pullback. I think you got to pounce. Colgate's exactly the kind of defensive name that could be worth buying into the teeth of a panic that I expect now because of the coronavirus outbreak. And I've got to tell you, panic's a possibility. And when it happens, Colgate, 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 Palmolive. It's like 56, 65. You know what I mean? Let's go to William in Tennessee. William. Booyah, Jimmy Chill. Oh, man, I've been chilling. What's up? Calling in regards to Yeti, ticker symbol Y-E-T-I. Yes. I'm surprised the stock has pulled back over five points despite a uh, positive beat on earnings and a, a good 2020 outlook. Um, I followed your successful guidance to pick this one up slowly as it sells off in the past. Would this be another time? Yes. Uh, ben Stoddle and I, uh, my research director, we went over and over, and we feel the exact same way. This stock's being pushed down. It shouldn't be. It is. It had a brilliant quarter, and there's been shorts leaning on this thing from day one. They've got a good product. I think they do a good job, and I thought the stock should have been up after that quarter. All right. Colgate Palmolive. Yes. Colgate, of all things. Is exactly the kind of defensive name to buy into a panic. You know, this was uh, the best stock I recommended for years in the 80s and 90s. I think it's back. I think you should pound next time it pulls back. Now, much more mad money, including my exclusive with maybe one of the most forward-looking utility companies in the country, Dominion. With dividend stocks suddenly back in style, is it time to circle back to that company? I've got the CEO. Then, the stock beat goes on, but is it sustainable? 
I'm giving my take and what it means for your portfolio. And of course, all, your, all of your calls rapid fire at tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. With bond yields plunging, Dividend stocks are suddenly back in style on the Wall Street fashion show, especially the utilities, which are red hot. Now, are any of them still worth buying at this move? I want you to consider Dominion Energy. That's the big East Coast utility. It's got a little bit of everything. Regulated electrical and gas business, nat gas pipeline, liquefied natural gas export terminal in Maryland. Oh, and they're even a major player in renewables. Now, Dominion reported a strong quarter earlier this week, and the stock's been on a tear lately. It made a new high today, but even up here, it still sports a bountiful 4.3% yield. Could it have more upside? Let's take a closer look with Tom Farrell, the chairman, president, and CEO of Dominion Energy. Get a better read in the quarter and where his company is headed. Hey, Tom, welcome back to Made Money. Jim, great to be with you. Happy Valentine's Day. Oh, same to you. I, you gave, uh, I see, uh, Facebook a, a terrific Valentine's Day present yesterday with, with a renewable energy partnership. And I want you to talk about it because what this is about is when a forward-thinking utility does something terrific to get business in where everybody wins. So you've got the floor. Thanks, Jim. You're referring, of course, to our uh a contract we entered into with Facebook to build solar farm with them. We also have done one with uh, <clears throat> Arlington County. We have others with Microsoft. Amazon is moving uh, their eastern headquarters uh, to northern Virginia in Arlington County. We've been working with them on that. We have other, uh, they have a lot of data centers here. We've been working with that whole community for years now to help them uh, meet their uh, needs and uh, desires to go to as all renewable if they can get there and as quickly as they can. And we're looking at trying to do the same thing if we can uh, with the offshore wind farm we plan on building. Well, one of the things when we went out to see Sadia Nadella at Microsoft, I know he wants to have, he has these different scopes where he thinks that he can help change really the food chain of energy, so to speak. Most of the energy companies have uh, are trying why are you so far ahead? Why are you able to do these things when others keep saying they're trying? Well, we got uh, thoughtful about it, I think, uh, probably half a decade ago and started trying to, instead of just saying, hey, it's difficult for us to do that because uh, of the way the regulation works or whatever, we said, let's work with them. Let's work with regulators to see if we can come up with Methods that are uh, work for them, uh, making sure that the extra cost, if there is any, and a lot of it can be done uh, without any extra cost, uh, make sure that whatever extra costs there are don't filter through to the rest of our customer base. <clears throat> so that's what we've been working on for, you know, most of, about probably half a day, five or six years. Well, I, I wish others would listen because your company and annual growth rate is still above the whole industry. Yes, it is. Uh, we... You know, just even five years ago, Jim, we had uh, very little solar on our system. Uh, we wanted to make sure the cost got to a place where it was effective and cost efficient for our customers <clears throat> before we started deploying it uh, in large quantities. We've gone from uh, having none to the fourth largest uh, utility holding company for solar in the country in just four years, five years. Congratulations for doing that. You've also put out a goal that I think is very hard for a lot of energy companies to do. But I bet you you beat it. Introduced a Nero, net zero emissions by 2050 target, carbon methane emissions. I mean, these are very difficult for utility to meet. 
They are, and we're you know we have a, it's even more complicated for us than most because we also have a very large. Uh, we have a lot of local gas distribution companies uh, in our company. We have a, a large uh, gas transmission storage business. You mentioned uh, Cove Point, our LNG export facility, import and export facility, uh, a few minutes ago. So we worked very hard on this. We'd had a goal to reduce methane emissions by 50% by 2030, uh, and our carbon, we'd already reduced carbon by 50%, uh, twice the industry average uh, by the time we got to this year. To, to reduce it all the way to 80 by 2050. But we worked hard on that over the last most of a year because we don't want to announce a target of net zero without seeing a way to get there. Uh, and we became convinced that we can do it through a number of programs. We're already the largest investor in renewable natural gas uh, with some of our partners uh, in the United States. And there are other things we're going to do. We are going to need uh, research and development to help with this and public policy support. But we see a path to getting there. You know, I'm so glad you mentioned this research and development. I think that when you, for instance, when you talk with the plastics companies, you're not hoping that they recycle more. You're hoping that they come up with a new technology that allows it to biodegrade. You, when you need, if we were to be able to give someone in science, let's say $5 billion to develop something, what do you really want to make it so that your footprint's smaller? I think the two things that I would uh, ask them to concentrate on would be, uh, Cracking the code on effective storage uh, for electricity at vast scale. Americans, uh, we use electricity at an enormous scale. Uh, and the, the storage for it now is uh, really s- s- bits and pieces other than pumped storage, uh, which we own the largest one in the world, actually, uh, and operated in the Virginia mountains. And the other would be, and this will be controversial for some, is coming up with modular uh, nuclear reactors, much smaller, safer, quicker to install. Hey, one last question. Have you ever spoken to Elon Musk? Have not. I've been at a conference with him, but I haven't spoken to him personally. He once proposed, literally at a dinner party I was at, the first one that you mentioned of the two things. He said it's going to happen, and he said he would do it. Tom, I got to tell you, this guy, when he puts his mind to it, maybe he's got some ideas and he can share them with the industry. That would be great. This, what he's what he has worked on through one of his companies is what they call a I, it's uh, I can't remember it's a wall. I can't remember exactly the name they use for it. It's a it's a standard set of lithium batteries that you can use uh, for short term storage. What we're what I'm talking about is long-term, hours and hours and hours at a very, very large scale, not just for a house or a business. Uh, and the other thing uh, we really need help with is carbon capture and storage. That's right. another, uh, that's part of the, the, uh, uh, the international uh, organizations looking at climate change have said we really got to crack the code on that too. Well, terrific. And thank you for all you do. And congratulations on your, uh, on your, uh, 50, well, your all-time high. And you deserve it. I want to thank Tom Farrell, the chairman, president, and CEO of Dominion Energy. I know if there are other utilities out there, you can challenge me in this, but I think he's the most forward-thinking when it comes to utilities and carbon footprint today. That money's back in. It is time. It's time for the light round. What is that? That's about and then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski daddy. Time for the lightning round. I'm going to start with Michael in Florida. Michael. Good evening, Dr. Chill. Doctor? Dr. Chill. 
sounds like a super villain. True. Um, so, uh, a nice, soft, easy booyah from sunny Tampa, Florida. Oh, the Super uh, Bowl! Was, there you go. You bet. We, uh, uh, I was reading an article the other day, and this guy mentioned three stocks that might be used to play the autonomous driving that might be coming. Mm-hmm. And one of the ones he listed was BlackBerry. Well, he was wrong, and that's interesting. That guy, don't go breaking my heart with that stock. I won't go breaking my, don't go breaking my heart with BlackBerry. Let's go to, but thank you for those kind comments from the Dr. Jill. Let's go to Tom in North Carolina. Tom. Mr. Kramer, thank you very much for taking my call and for everything that you do. My well, thank you. Stock is, my stock is KeyBank. Thank you. I think KeyBank is a nice, simple story. Gets a little yield, little growth. That's fine. I need Patrick in California. Oh, Patrick. Hey, booyah, Jimmy Chill. Yo, I yo. I need your opinion on Gilead. Gilead's remdesivir. I've got so many great drug stocks. I don't need Gilead. By the way, you see Warren Buffett picked up his position in Biogen. Um, I think that you should go for AbbVie. I think AbbVie's better. So is Bristol. Mars. Let's go to Art in California. Art. Yes, Professor Kramer. I would like to know your opinion concerning the purchasing of Home Depot or Alibaba. Oh, geez, if you put a gun in my head or those, I say take take the gun away from my head. I happen to think that Home Depot is terrific. My travel trust owns it. But I'm not going against Alibaba <laughs> because they can court. Let's go to Dominic in California. Dominic. My grandson has a question for you. Sure. Jimmy Chill, booyah. I'm a 14-year-old investor. In October, I called about this company at $22 a share, and you did your homework and many other segments on it, and you said it's great. With its earnings on Tuesday, should I keep continuing to be a buyer of the medical aesthetic maker, InMode, ticker Yes, InMode. No, we're believers. We wouldn't leave that one even if we tried. I think you should stick with it. 14-year-olds, what? I thought 14-year-olds weren't interested in the market. I thought they didn't care. I thought they just wanted index funds. Wrong! Let's go to Hector in California. Please, Hector. Hey, Hector, this or, hey Jimmy, this is your boy Hector from sunny Northern California. Hector, I wanted your been? thoughts on the solar industry as a whole, but in particular, a certain company, uh, Solar Edge Technology, ticker SEDG. Look, you know, because of your state and the rules, these solar companies have gone up. They're great specs, and this one is a great spec, and that's how I look at it. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round! The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. There's an undercurrent to this earnings season that you might not recognize if you're new to the business, so i got to explain it to you. Right now, companies are being rewarded not just for beating the numbers, but for giving you one glorious word, and that word is Visibility! Okay, this is a word that's gone out of fashion in recent years. Ever since the Great Recession, most companies have been loath to talk about visibility. It became too dicey. Too many businesses told us they had visibility when it turned out they didn't. And when they're disappointing, well, guess what? Their stocks got obliterated. So why bother to stick your neck out? Why set yourself up? Now, though, visibility is making a comeback. Maybe enough time has passed. Maybe business is just better. I don't know. Do I know we, we are seeing? Well, we're seeing stocks run up into earnings and then go still higher 
because management is able to make a claim that the future's brighter than the past. They see it. Take NVIDIA. The Uber Kramer fave semiconductor company with some of the greatest visibility into its future of any company on Earth. And that is not hyperbole. Even though this stock flew into the so-called print, it jumped again because they gave you not only a beaten raise, but they talked about a clear path in conversational artificial intelligence. We're talking about technology that can answer basic questions from you, your voice, within 300 milliseconds, almost instantly, regardless of the idiom. So can you imagine getting in your car and you say, hey, take me to the nearest Starbucks, or how about, uh, where's the nicest hotel? Uh, where's the Four Seasons around here, for, ha- for heaven's sake? And it's like, not it's like smarter than we are. NVIDIA's going to have that. AI inference, it's here right now. And this story is still so early that there's nothing to fear about the future. It won't be like that year from hell when Bitcoin, uh, where Bitcoin miners overloaded on NVIDIA's graphics, because graphic cards, because they thought there was gold in our hills. When Bitcoin collapsed, they returned the chips. NVIDIA got stuck with a ton of excess inventory. This time is very different, as we saw when the company reported last night, excess inventory. Thing of the past. Now, why does this kind of visibility matter? Because it allows the analyst to model the future with more accuracy. It lets them say, hmm, the stock looks expensive on this year's numbers, as it does. But it looks very cheap on 2023 estimates. And that, more than anything else, is why money managers paid up for NVIDIA today, up $19. Who else is in the visibility boat? Well, no one's really where NVIDIA is, frankly. But I felt that Ring Central which is converting thousands of businesses to its customer-centric cloud-based communications platform is one of them. They have dozens of clients on their website talking about how they save money, generated more business, had happier customers. Brinker, the parent company of Chili, said the payback for Ring Central was pretty much instant. And that's how this company knows it can keep growing. That's why Vlad he did a great number. Then there's uh, Alderix. Now, this is one that you probably, uh, unless you've watched the show, haven't heard of. I've been a huge backer of it. This is the data analytics company with a product that I think seems vastly superior to Microsoft's Excel, which is still the way people do things. All these stocks have rallied, then rallied again as they guided up tremendously. Alderix surged nearly 10% today. I was trying to get them on the show. It won't be long. Now, we've also gotten some raised forecasts from FANG, my acronym for Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, and Google, but they don't give you the kind of visibility that this market has started to crave. In fact, the only big tech company with great visibility is the non-FANG Microsoft, with new clients coming uh, like droves to Azure. That's their cloud platform. There again, as far as the eye can see. That's why it had accelerating revenue growth. You want to know what it takes for a stock to advance and then keep advancing after earnings? Listen for that word, visibility. If the company has it, I bet it's a stock worth buying. Stick with Kramer. Stay right there because you do not want to miss a CNBC special report on the coronavirus outbreak. It's hosted by my friend Tyler Matheson. It's coming up next. It will be excellent. Speaking of excellent, the NVIDIA quarter was as good as the stock being up 19. Why? It's the inference chip. It's because they have figured out both the data center, but more importantly, how a chip can be smarter than you. It can figure out the things you want. It is the ultimate in voice, and everybody wants it. The stock deserves to be higher. Like I said, there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Kramer. See you Tuesday. The CNBC Special Report begins now.
This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 